gonna do a Bane impression today? <laughs> Might have to. Probably yeah. need to work out. A bit. What, what does he say? He doesn't have any like memorable lines. Give me oh, his line. oh, buddy, come on now. Bane doesn't have memorable lines. That's what does a hot, I can't, hot take I can't off. Remember. The fire rises. <laughs> I don't remember him saying that. The fire rises. The fire rises. One of one of you is the trigger man. <laughs> let's let's get into it. Uh, hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin have a podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about a new movie every week. This week on the show, we're talking about The Dark Knight Rises. There's a storm coming. You sound like you're looking forward to it. I'm adaptable. What are you? I'm Gotham's Reckoning. Did they kill him? I'm not sure. Huh? Why didn't you just kill me? Your punishment must be more severe. Do you think he's coming back? I don't know. Why would you run, Bane? You should be as afraid of him as I am. As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, a.k.a. Batman. And joining me is my co-host, the man no one cared about until he put the mask on, Cody Webb. Or Bane, I guess. Cody, what's going on? (laughs) How's it going, man? Uh, Jack to be here today. I think it's gonna be a fun app. But uh, honestly, in this movie, I think I'd rather be Bane than uh, than Batman. So I'll take that. Well, fair enough. And uh, I think there's another memorable Bane quote right there for you. But I'll, I'll keep throwing them at you as the episode <laughs> progresses, Cody. You picked this one, so why don't you tell us why? 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 Yeah, absolutely. Um. Well, basically, I mean, we're we're nearing the end of the season here, which we were talking about, which is a lot of fun. Uh, this is pretty much my last pick of the season. So I wanted to make it an interesting one. Uh, mostly this season, I've gone for just like most of my favorite movies. So I figured we'd switch it up again and, and go for one that I hadn't seen before, uh, which is part of the reason I did want to pick it, because I, I really do like both Batman Begins and uh, The Dark Knight. But uh, yeah, for some reason, I, I just had never seen this film. Yeah, how, how but, Cody? This doesn't make any sense. Why yeah. 13-year-old you wasn't tapped into <laughs> The Dark Knight Rises? Like... Well, yeah, this was released in, in 2012, I believe. So it's kind of that weird period where, you know, I wasn't going into theaters a ton for stuff. And also, I mean, around the time this got released, I, I believe I just got a lot of buzz that uh, it wasn't that good. And usually if a movie's not that good, I don't go see it. So From an, from an early age, a believer in the critics. <laughs> well, not necessarily, but uh, I think. Well, probably the critics probably like this movie. I didn't even look at the uh, the Rotten Tomatoes, but I mean, technically speaking, this is a decent movie. So I would assume the critics like it. But um, plot wise, it's a completely different story, which we'll get to. But yeah, honestly, I, I don't have a good uh, answer to that question. I don't think I, I don't really know why I never saw it. But uh, here we are today and uh, we've made history. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about it. Though there, There's a lot to talk about in this movie. There is a ton to get into just to hit things off. It does have an 87% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 90% <laughs> audience score. Um, and, if we, and if we even look at Metacritic, 84 um, Metacritic out of 100. So this is a well-celebrated movie. Um, I think we'll both kind of 
express a lot of our issues with it maybe as we get into it but uh this is a filmmaker we've talked about a ton on the show uh christopher nolan with we did inception we've done interstellar um we've done the prestige and then now for the fourth time we're hitting him on the dark knight rises he's got a big movie coming out this summer with oppenheimer some actors uh particularly Cillian murphy returning to play the titular role of oppenheimer in that so we'll kind of talk about that as the episode progresses um, but before we hit our initial thoughts I want to hit follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Cap Podcast. Check out our YouTube page, Cody and Gorman have a podcast to watch video versions of the show. And also, Cody, you got some news for the people. Uh, what did you? What do you got going on, man? Yeah, so you know, Cap breaking news. I'm sure everybody's super interested in this, but uh, basically, uh, it looks like we're going to be starting a bit of a blog. So basically, I don't know when when the official launch is, but we're still putting a lot of work into it. But uh. The, the current title of it is the World Wide Web as well, which I think is a good one. Two Bs and World Wide Web. Two Bs, yeah, yeah. yeah if you don't know, my last name's Web. Uh, I feel like that's common knowledge, but possibly not. But anyways, yeah, just going to be posting a bunch of stuff on there, movie stuff, TV stuff, maybe some sports stuff. And uh, myself and Corbin, I believe, are going to be you know kind of putting stuff on there when we have time, when we feel passionate about something that maybe we can't put into a full podcast kind of just the kind of secondary thing that I think is is going to be a lot of fun and, and I'm super jacked about. Yeah, I would, I think you're, you have a lot more plans to do a lot of different stuff, sports, movie, TV. We've carved out a little Corbin's corner for me to just kind of throw some stuff in when I'm feeling stuff. Um, I did just watch some Sundance movies over the weekend. So maybe I do a little wrap up of everything I saw, give the people a little preview of uh, some big things to come in the next few months. But uh, no, I'm, I'm excited for the World Wide Web. Uh, you've already done a little bit of a 90s, that 90s show review, which was awesome. Um, and uh, excited for what both of us are going to be putting out on there. Yeah, I'm sure by now that, that this episode releases, uh, it will be out there. So definitely go check out uh, my 90s show review. A lot of fun on that one. Uh, a, lot, a lot of nostalgia as well. But then currently, I believe on a, well, we're recording this in January, but February 1st, I'm going to be dropping a college basketball preview as well uh, with March looming. So uh, be look at, be on the lookout for that as well, if, if you're interested in that. Yeah, Cody's uh, huge into March Madness. And as the uh, month of February goes on, you're probably going to be hearing a lot more about that on the uh, cap feed. So looking forward to that. Let's get back to the Dark Knight Rises with our initial thoughts. I want to go back. I think I've told the story on the podcast a few different times, but the first time I saw this movie, Cody, do you, do you remember the story at all? Or, or should I just lay it out? For you? I don't remember off the top of my head, but once you start it, I'm sure it'll click. 2012, right? Summer of 2012. Yeah. Uh, I was playing baseball, little league baseball uh, in Muncie. You'd go, you'd get sodas. I don't know. You go to the store, you get a soda gas station, whatever. Mountain Dew was running a promotion to where, they had these codes on the bottle and then you would go to dogothamcity.com and you would type in your code and you would be entered into like raffles and you could win things. Like there was a chance to win, I think probably like a car or something, like, you know, a big grand prize, a trip. Then there's the chance to win like a small piece of merchandise. And then there's also the people who could like win and go to the premiere in LA. Well, what I won over the course of the summer after putting in a few codes, my parents were huge Mountain Dew drinkers. So I was always stealing their bottles. Um, they also released a dark berry Mountain Dew flavor, I believe. 
I don't think was very good. It obviously hasn't maybe stuck <laughs> around. But regardless, what I won was a trip to see this movie on Thursday night, early preview screening at the Indiana State Museum IMAX. Oh, two tickets. I feel like I've told the story. And I went with former guest on the pod, Cades of Oakle, my brother. He and I, we went and saw this movie. Again, I was 12 years old at the time. I think he was 18. We, had, we drove down to Indy. I think my parents drove us down there and they just like went and had dinner somewhere and then picked us up afterwards. Um, but yeah, at the Indiana State Museum, they got the big IMAX screen. It was a Thursday night. It was before, because now it's like pretty common for them to do Thursday night screenings. But I think back then it was a little bit more exclusive, especially like in Indiana, you weren't going to find those anywhere. Like they would do midnight showings, but not the early Thursday night. Um, so yeah, I just have this like really vivid memory of seeing this movie. And it's probably like, weirdly enough my er it's not my earliest theater experience but it's the earliest theater experience that i like truly remember um there's even a point in this movie where there's like a continuity error where like bruce wayne's hand is on his cane in one one way in one shot and then it cuts the other shot and it's facing it and like i noticed that in the theater and that's like stuck with me all these years later and even <laughs> rewatching it now i still remember it so i don't know i, I just wanted to like kind of start this out that i like that was my initial experience and then coming back to it, I wanted it to be this like really good, amazing movie. I haven't seen it in a few years. I would say I've probably rewatched it since that original time, but it's been so long. And I just wanted this to be so much better. And I was kind of disappointed all in all. I think it is probably better in that IMAX experience, the huge, you know, silver screen. But I was a little bit disappointed in rewatching The Dark Knight Rises. So on the first time watch, Cody, um, I know from your letterbox review, you don't feel very strongly about it but but break it down for us how, how do you feel initially yeah no that is a really cool i feel like just a moment for you too i mean at a young age in imax i mean the best way to watch this movie or pretty much any christopher nolan movie if we're being honest is on the big screen so that is super cool uh but yeah for me uh just echo one point you had there disappointing i think this movie is unbelievably disappointing uh I mean, it's hard to compare against the movie that came before it, The Dark Knight, which um, me personally, I think if it's not, it's it's up there for the best comic book movie of all time, which is not something easy to say as well. But um, yeah, for me, this is probably one of Nolan's worst movies. I mean, it's this or Interstellar. It's a toss up at this point, which is funny to say because I, I really despise Interstellar. But um, just get like deeper into my initial thoughts too um I, I don't know i feel like all the technical stuff about this movie like the jobs are beautiful but the other technicals the acting uh the editing uh I, I think it's all shit i think um specifically i don't know this movie it's paced weird it's like two and a half hours but i feel like it's like quick cuts like every every like 10 seconds we're going to a new scene like the, it doesn't linger and kind of like feel any sort of emotion i think I don't know. In The Dark Knight, I feel like it is a shorter film, but there's so much more emotion with the characters in that one. In this one, it's not about the characters, really. It's I, I don't know what it's about, if I'm honest, but it's definitely not about the characters, because I don't know anything about anybody. So that's kind of tough. But uh, yeah, back to the acting. I think Mike, Mike O'Kane, uh, even though he's in it for like 10 minutes, is fucking terrible. I think Talia Agul is terrible in this movie. I think even Christian Bale at the beginning is like kind of phoning it in, which really, really sucks. But yeah, that, that's basically my initial negatives. My initial positives, uh, I really like the opening scene. I thought it was cool. 
and it also has a it has Littlefinger. Shout out Aiden Gillen of Game of Thrones fame. He's in the movie for ten minutes, if that, and uh, he's one of my favorite characters in the entire thing. It's just a CIA operative who gets taken out by Bane, but he's screaming all these cool lines at the beginning. Uh, he's like threatening to throw people out of a plane, and he's a government operative, so he's a badass as well. So basically, I just want an Aiden Gillen spinoff, but we'll get we'll get to that later. Also, there's just kind of a bunch of weird actors who I didn't know were in the movie. You got Ben Mendelsohn, who I love, who's in it for like five minutes. We got Stranger Things Papa, whatever his name is. Matthew He's Modine. Got You're ruining yeah, my Matthew. trivia here, Cody, but keep going. <laughs> He's kind of an asshole in this movie, but I still like him as an actor, so that was kind of really cool to see. And then lastly, uh, off the top row, Joey King. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I could not believe my eyes. I mean, this is got to be maybe one of her first roles. Um, like, this is a young, young Joey King. I think The Conjuring maybe came out a year earlier. So I would guess it was one of those two. But, uh, yeah, kind of just in hindsight, like uh, 15 years later, it's kind of cool to see. Like, they had a lot of good actors. They maybe just didn't put them in the best roles. But I thought that was fun. I got to give one more shout out to a guy that every time I say his name, you go, who is that? And I hope now that you've seen Top Gun Maverick, you know Glenn Powell is in this movie as well. He plays the um, uh, Wall Street guy that's getting his shoe shined and then like has yeah. a little bit of a confrontation with Bane. So just another weird pop-up of that's people. True. Also the guy who plays Joseph Gordon-Levitt's partner. He's in a bunch of stuff, um, like a lot of TV stuff. I'll figure out what his name is. But yeah, I mean, there's just a ton of weird actors that kind of pop up in this. You know, no one's known to kind of have his people. And there's some of those guys that, you know, like in Anne Hathaway, who's also shows up in Interstellar later, or Tom Hardy, who's been in Inception. Um, you know, he has his guys who he sticks with a little bit, but there's also a lot of weird people that he's brought into this one, um, for sure. Um, you, yeah. you you mentioned the the editing and the pacing, and this is really weird because Nolan's a guy who's known to play with time and to you know deal with these nonlinear weirdly structured stories and he manages to pull it off the most of the time this one he's not trying to do anything too spectacular other than maybe condense like seven months down and he does it really poorly there's no sense of like passage of time there's no sense it, it's just really weird and like you said we don't care about any of these characters it's hard to connect with bane or even really understand what his plot or his plan is at any point or his motivation so i definitely see that as a negative i will say while this movie by itself standalone is unsuccessful for the most part, I think it is a good final chapter in the Dark Knight trilogy as a whole. Maybe we can get into that further later, but <laughs> I, I think that it is a good ending to the story. It uh, you know, kind of completes that circle, that three-part arc. It's very clear no one really wanted to make this movie. Christopher Nolan did not want to make this movie. There was a lot of money. There was a lot of, you know, hey, you've made Inception. Can you do this one for us? We'll, you know, keep working with you, Warner Brothers. That relationship's over now <laughs> after all these years. And he's moved on to Universal for Oppenheimer because of, of what they did with movie theaters and, in 2020 and 2021. But I don't know. This is, this is a weird movie that Nolan, I don't think, ever really wanted to make. And you can kind of tell with some of the story and filmmaking choices. Let's move on to roll credits. Roll credits. So uh, the Dark Knight Rises, Cody. It, yeah. It's never said in the movie as a whole piece. 
Mm. However, there is a pivotal scene, an hour and 47 minutes. Uh, the, the big theme of this movie is, is Bruce, you know, obviously is in the title rising, but there's this metaphorical Lazarus pit or like this Jesus resurrection similarity, you know, con- you know, you can draw the lines between those two ideas in this movie and he's rising from this prison. The people in the bottom are chanting. He goes, what does this mean? And they say rise, right? And rise is obviously this huge thematic idea. Bruce Wayne, after eight years, has to return to Batman. He, the Dark Knight has to rise, right? Do you think it's a successful title? I do, actually. I think the title is actually pretty good. The Dark Knight Rises, it, it comes off the tongue pretty smoothly, I would say. And that is a cool scene. Like, there are definitely cool scenes in this movie. Him trying to get out of this just basically massive pit in the ground. It is pretty cool. And like the first time he attempts it, you know, these all these other inmates are like chanting something and you don't really know what you're saying. And then the third time when he he takes off the safety basically and uh, removes the, the restraint or the ropes or the wires to, to save himself and does fall, it's then revealed. He's like, oh, what are they chanting? And then it, the one guy just goes, rise. I think that's a cool moment. And um, yeah, I like the title as a whole. So roll credits wise, I feel like I'm pretty positive, but I would say like the, that scene of him getting out of the prison, it, it's one of the better ones in the movie. So at least you're going to put that in the title. What do you think about the, obviously you talked about that Bane set piece with the guy from Game of Thrones you like, but what do you think about that choice of opening this movie? Well, technically it opens with like Gary Oldman yeah. treatising <laughs> on Harvey Dent. And then it it's like a weird memory thing. It's like a flashback to the Dark Knight. And then it goes into the Bane prologue. But do you like I mean, I guess you said you like it, but as a story, as an entrance to a character, do you think it's successful in kind of telling us who Bane is? Uh, no, it doesn't tell us anything <laughs> about Bane. But uh, I do agree that that was one of my my next point. The opening shot, or I guess, well, the opening shot is Gary Oldman. I don't know that that just like continues the weird editing because that makes no fucking sense. It's well, like a ten second snippet. And uh, I will say, I did. In preparation for, I did watch the entire trilogy of these movies, so I may <laughs> draw some connections. I, 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 this is just, it's a scene ripped from The Dark Knight. It's the end of The Dark Knight when he's yeah. it's Harvey Dent's funeral. It's strange that this movie, maybe it's just like a reminder of like, hey, if you didn't catch The Dark Knight, the biggest movie of all time, like one of the greatest movies of all, like, but this came out before Avatar and was breaking box office records, and then Avatar obviously beat it out. But like, I don't know, it's a weird addition for sure to open the movie that way. Um, but definitely the Bane scene is sick at, at the very least. Yeah. And it's kind of just like a lazy TV show thing, I think, where it's like, oh, if you missed last week, here's what happened. Gary Oldman saying, oh, Batman murdered Harvey Dent. Like, okay, we get it. But then they only do it for 10 seconds. So I don't understand. Yeah. Going back to the opening scene, I like it. Honestly, it might be like one of the longer scenes in the movie. Like I said, I feel like uh, between this and maybe like the end battle where they're all brawling in the streets I feel like every 10 seconds is the chop or it's, it's a cut to a different scene that quickly um, yeah I really like it the the stunts on the plane um, just one shot of the plane falling and, and Tom Hardy you know hanging out to that wire I think is very cool visually and yeah Aiden Gillen he's one of the standouts so I'm pretty positive on the opening uh, the closing I, I don't think it's as cool but just like that title card reveal at the end of the movie, which they do for all three. Um, I am a fan of that as well. And the music at the end, I think, is 
I mean, Hans Zimmer scores is a standout in all three of these, but I think he he definitely has to do like more of the heavy lifting in this particular part of the trilogy. But um, yeah, o- opening and closing wise, like honestly, I feel like it's pretty strong, other than the weird Gary Oldman bit. Yeah, I do appreciate the ending of this movie a lot. This the Florence, the final shot. You know, seeing Bruce finally happy with yeah. the Catwoman. Do you think that uh, this might be the hottest Christian Bale's ever been, or? You know, because that's what Mina was, was saying. She said right here at the end of The Dark Knight Rises is the most attractive Christian Bale. Better than American Psycho. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I'd say he's, he's got some bulk in this movie. So uh, I don't know if I back. I haven't seen him, you know, maybe in his prime. But uh, yeah, I back it. More of a machinist guy or, or maybe the fighter. That's that's kind of more <laughs> the body type I like for Bale. Uh, let's move on to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Starting with the good. Wow, wow, wow. Cody, what's <laughs> what's the good for you, man? Yeah, I, I got some stuff here, surprisingly. It's in the opening scene. Another scene I, I do enjoy is uh, the Steelers game or whatever the bullshit Gotham team is. I, I don't even... I don't care enough to look it up, if I'm being honest. But <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger is there. Heinz Ward's returning the kick. So, I mean, it's the Steelers. But uh, I thought that scene was cool. I mean, the kickoff return with then the stadium just collapsing in on itself. Very cool visually. The Gotham Rogues. Gotham Rogues, sure. Also a terrible name. The uniforms aren't bad. I like the yellows. But uh, yeah, I like that scene. I think Bane coming out, his costume design I think is cool, especially with that jacket. And um, you know him picking up the the officials like Mike and making announcements I thought was funny too. So I like that scene. A couple other things I mentioned already, but the first time the Batman score comes back, Basically, when Batman makes his return, I don't know, it's got to be like an hour into the movie, but he shows up on his, his classic bike, and um, that score is just humming. And uh, I, I got goosebumps a little bit, so shout out to Hans Zimmer. Uh, but lastly, a really cool cameo, I think, and uh, you mentioned him already, too, uh, Killian Murphy coming back as the Scarecrow, I thought was a cool inclusion, and kind of just a fun Easter egg back to batman begins which i think is a severely underrated film and scarecrow is actually a pretty menacing villain you go back and rewatch that movie but uh, i thought that was a fun cameo so um yeah kind of all over the place on what i think is good but there are particular moments in this movie that i do enjoy kind of just as a whole it doesn't work all together for me i really like the judge scarecrow stuff i think that's really fun uh he is probably like my favorite Batman villain, like Scarecrow himself. And it's cool because he's really the, again, I watched these three movies together. Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. He's the constant. He's the perpetual foe to Batman in all these movies. That's the true through line. Uh, Crane is always giving him shit. Uh, but this movie is about Bane. And Bane, I think, is very good. Tom Hardy disappears into this role, Cody. <laughs> He is unrecognizable. Yeah. He, Mina literally just learned that it was Tom Hardy. I think like a couple months ago, she was telling me. Um, and it's it's not surprising. There is one shot in this entire movie where you you realize, oh, that's actually Tom Hardy. And it's when you reveal that he's he's the guy that was helping Joey King right. escape. That was the, the big reveal. But I think as yeah. a villain, he's very scary. Now, all of his audio is recorded in post. You can tell it's... 
80 yard over because when they recorded a, one, a lot of the scenes are IMAX. So they're loud cameras too. He's obstructed by the mask and they just had to re-record like pretty much all of it. The voice is a choice, but it's a strong choice and he commits to it. And I got to respect that when you're following up Heath Ledger's performance in the dark night, those are big shoes to fill. He doesn't, no one ever could, but he makes a, you know, he does a good effort of, continuing that legacy of strong, powerful villains that are chewing up screen time. And I think for the most part, he plays a bigger role in this movie than even Batman does. You, you kind of mentioned that Batman's not in this a lot. This is very much like an ensemble movie. It's like Batman's in it a little bit. And then Catwoman, I, you know, I know you've compared this to Spider-Man 3, Cody, and maybe we'll get into that some more later, but it is like kind of all over the place. But Bane is definitely the strongest character although you don't know his motivations or his influences or what he's doing. It's just that he's so cool, right? Like he's, he's a force. He's, you know, in the same way that Heath Ledger was a force of chaos. The Joker was a force of chaos. This guy is just a force of, I I don't know, revolution power. He's an interesting character while his motivations don't make sense. He's also just fucking massive, Cody. He's just bulky. He doesn't like, he's not even like six pack God, like super. He's just huge. He's got like the big wrestler physique. Yeah. I like what you said a lot there about kind of a, a chaos of power. He is intimidating as hell, I think. And like I said, I really like his look. What you're saying too. He really beefed up for the role. Uh, I also really like Tom Hardy in pretty much everything that he does. So in theory, I, I should back pretty much most of what you're saying. Uh, his character, just the way it was written, which we'll get into a lot more uh, in the next category. But I, I do agree with you. Like Tom Hardy, performance-wise, other than the voice, which again isn't really his fault, but I think he's really good in this. So I agree. Um, he's got a cool name. He did have a cool story until they said, "Oh, just kidding." But yeah, I agree. Tom Hardy, you know, he put in the work for this role, and I think he's like he's one of Christopher Nolan's regulars for a reason. You don't, you don't get to be one of Christopher Nolan's regulars without being a hell of an actor. And um, I think he committed entirely to this role. So I, I do agree with you there. It would be extremely painful for you. It would be extremely painful. You're a big guy. For you. And I must kill. I must kill now, Batman. You know what I have to do now. The thing <laughs> is, Bane is just like, he's so strong and his strength is displayed in really interesting ways. He's, snapping nudes necks with one hand he picks batman up and breaks his back obviously that iconic scene um there's a point when he just puts his hand on a guy's shoulder like palm up like just rests it on him and he's like who's in charge here and it's just like this sheer moment of like force and pressure and it's like everybody's terrified of this guy the mask is a cool design obviously they stray a little bit from the comic accurate bane of like the giant almost hulk-like character but i think despite this movie being extremely comic booky and more comic booky than the dark knight or the batman begins i think he finds a way to ground bane as a character in a way that makes sense in the dark knight universe as a whole that has existed it's not too outlandish it is more outlandish than anything we've seen but it's still believable with you know the things of like the league of shadows and other shit like that the score is good you know, Hans, he's eaten, as always. Agreed, agreed. No, but I was going to say, um, comic accuracy-wise, Bane is pretty much... It, it does differ, obviously, throughout the comics, but 
classically he has um, kind of a serum or, or steroids a little bit, and he kind of juices up, and that makes him like ridiculously strong to fight Batman and other uh, heroes and stuff like that. And it, I think it would be incredibly hard to adapt, like uh, a page for page sort of thing um, off the comic books. So I, I do generally like the adaptation just because of how intimidating he is. But yeah, all in all, I mean, the character, I don't think it falls much of any sort of storyline he had in comics. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he's ever really been associated too strongly to the League of Shadows or Ra's al Ghul specifically, but um, I don't, he doesn't have like an, an iconic storyline that I know. So yeah, throw him in like the larger universe and and like that makes sense one thing i do like about this bane is that i know in traditionally in the comics bane is a, a plotting character he's smart he's not this big dummy but then like with the 90s versions of the batman that we saw like in movies the bane's there just like more of a henchman hulking you know just muscle type but this is more faithful to like the true like bane is actually a true villain that that is a match for Batman. You know, there's a reason that he was able to, you know, it, it break his backs in the comics, for for example. That's true. And um, he did appear briefly in, um, I believe it was Batman and Robin, uh, the George Clooney, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, just classic film. He was in that briefly. So uh, I guess, you know, making his reappearance here, uh, I would say this is a better uh, variation than the one, we, the one we saw in Batman and Robin. But that's pretty much any character who who is that movie. So, all right, let's hit the bad. There's probably a lot more to say here. Oh, uh, maybe we can just bounce back and forth on different things. Yeah, yeah. Let me I, kick it off because um, I I want to talk more about Bane. Um, <laughs> so, I, I have a lot of questions, and and that's kind of going to be um, the theme, the running theme for this category. I do have a lot of stuff, but a lot of questions mostly. So, Bane. My main question is like. Who is this guy? Because, well, and another question is, he's not really Bane. Because Bane means like, oh, this demon who like rose from hell or whatever. But that was Talia al Ghul. So I don't, is she actually Bane? And this guy's just, you know, faceless fucker or something like that. Cut that possibly. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't really understand his story. What are his motivations? He was in prison. Uh, we don't know why. Yeah, I don't know anything about this guy, so I'm kind of just confused. But you haven't seen Black Adam yet, have you? Yeah, I saw Black Adam. Oh, you have. Well, I want to surmise that this movie <laughs> kind of does a Black Adam plot twist at the end. Obviously, I guess Black Adam maybe does a Dark Knight Rises plot twist, but it's a similar thing yeah, where it's like it sets it up and it tells the story to you and it like establishes it over and over of like, this person rose from the pit and it was Bane. Same thing, you know, Black Adam. It's, you know, it was his son or what, you know, whatever. The wizard champion. I could, I honestly don't even fucking remember because that movie is so stupid, but it, it plot twists you like three times. But this is a similar thing where it's like the Talia Bane twist is just like, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. So I guess there's got to be a fucking twist at the end. This is the most twisty of the Batman ones. But to me, it just does not work. It does not make sense. It, again like you said dilutes the character of bane and it tries to give more significance to this talia al ghul formerly miranda tate character who just appears out of nowhere in this movie and you're supposed to care about and has no fucking chemistry with christian bale whatsoever 
Marion Cotillard, obviously another uh, Nolan favorite from Inception. But yeah, I agree that that whole storyline is, is whack. I completely agree. And that kind of leads into the next section I did want to talk about, which was Catwoman. Uh, we haven't talked about her too much. Anne Hathaway, obviously, in, in that role. Yeah, I, I don't really like Anne Hathaway. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't mind her in general. I think in this movie, it's kind of just casting which we'll get to later in the recast. But yeah, I'm not a big fan. And and speaking of chemistry, you know, he, I, I don't know, he kind of has some with Miranda Tate at the uh, sort of in the in the middle of the film. He's running away from her in the beginning of the movie. Well, that's true. But yeah, him and Catwoman, I, I don't understand where this chemistry really comes from because, you know, obviously the, the opening scene with them is, um, you know, her just knocking him over when he has a cane. It's kind of funny. Like, uh, that's actually funny, I guess. But after that, they like meet up and she's wearing that mask um, at that party. And I guess that just becomes part of her costume or something. I, I don't understand. She's a cat costume. burglar, Cody. <laughs> she has to wear a mask. Well, yeah. And she's also not really Catwoman in this movie. She's just like a vigilante who wears all black. And she doesn't even have the ears. It's just like a part of her visor thing that she flips up. I think that's cool. I like that. I like the Catwoman design, personally. No, it's terrible. She doesn't do anything cat-like the entire movie either. She does um, like a somersault. What do you want her to do? Lick milk out of a dish? <laughs> yes, that was exactly Yeah, Cody, I know. Yeah, you disgusting. No, obviously not. But uh, yeah, and then just randomly, her and... Why well, do you know? Is it her and Bruce Wayne are like... They have this chemistry... But obviously that's the same person as Batman. And then she sells him out, but he was looking for Bane anyway. So it's not really a sellout. And at the end, they're just making out. So again, no, no real explanation in this movie, which is a recurring theme. But I, I don't understand why she was kind of shoehorned into a, a love interest, you know, kind of an endgame sort of love interest here. The thing is, the, obviously it's not, she's not Catwoman in the same way that, John Blake is not Robin, right, Cody? I'm sure you'll talk about that in a minute. But well, that Heath Ledger is the Joker, so that doesn't make any sense. No, but I'm saying, I just let me continue. <laughs> She's not identified as Catwoman in this movie, right? But the Joker is called the Joker. I, I'm agreeing to the point you just made. She isn't technically Catwoman, but she is playing Catwoman, right? Really, like that's what we believe her to be. She's the Selena Kyle. I mean, that is the the alias of Catwoman. But both. Selena Kyle and Talia al Ghul in the comics do have a romantic relationships with Bruce Wayne. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Or at the very least, like flirtatious relations, relationships. And yet in this movie, neither of them is a successful romantic interest. Because like Nolan doesn't even like care about that, if I'm being honest. I don't think he does. He doesn't write any like any love or not love, but even like any scenes of relationship building or any sort of interest like he just doesn't care about that that's not what he's here to that's not the story he's here to tell like you said he doesn't care about the characters he's he's cares about his big set pieces and his you know big overarching themes and the rising from the lat like the lazarus bit like i said he doesn't really care about building those uh character relationships and i think it, this movie really suffers because of it uh, i completely agree and it, it's kind of like why are you introducing a bunch of new like characters who are super important in the comics and then not like justifying that with any sort of like a uh, you know character arcs or interesting writing or anything like that so just kind of and robin like what, what do you think about the reveal of robin at the end i i don't know what to think about it here's my thoughts i 
think it is dumb. It is a dumb review. It's a cheesy thing to yeah. be like, oh, his first name is Robin. Obviously, that's dumb. Christopher Nolan may be one of the few directors that can even attempt to pull like a studio and let like I don't know. Yeah. It's only maybe okay because it's Nolan. And I know maybe that's a little hypocritical to say, but I like the idea of him being Robin and taking over that mantle. Like, I think it makes sense for his character and for what he's establishing. And like, when you rewatch it with that context in mind, did you know that? I'm assuming you knew that was going to happen, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I, like, I so like when you watch for that contest, it, it makes sense. It's just like a dumb way to reveal it. Yeah, I agree. That was my big thing too. I think it's pretty cheesy, but like, I kind of did like that character before that, like Blake. I mean, all the other cops in this movies are just complete idiots. So him actually trying um, to like save everybody, it was good. And like, that kind of makes sense that uh, Bruce Wayne, he, he eventually would want to, you know, retire and this guy could possibly pick up like the mail. And I, I think that's a cool, at least idea to have to finish off the film. Yeah. To jump into my last bad, bad thing. I, I really dislike about this movie uh, it's pretty much Commissioner Gordon and and all the cops, just their general sort of consensus on ideas of how to stop Bane. First off, uh, Commissioner Gordon, I don't know, he came off as a little just a little crazy to me when he's is, Oldman's doing something weird with his voice. Yeah, and it doesn't help when he's like laying in a hospital bed, being like, "Send every cop we have down in the sewers." We got three thousand police officers. <laughs> Yeah, and then with that, it's kind of just like the swarm of cops that are all together at all times. When Batman reappears, that scene, there's like a hundred cop cars on one street, on one little snippet of the highway, all coming after Batman. Like, it's okay, just send 10 guys. We don't have to send the entire force. And then, oh, there's an inkling of, hey, there might be some bad guys in the sewer. Why are we sending a thousand police officers into one area underground where they could be trapped like i don't know it, it obviously doesn't make any sense but it's just such a dumb plot point to have bane take over the city because the cops are such idiots christopher nolan in his like positioning of police in this trilogy has been strange like i don't really know where like he's staying like in the dark knight and batman begins it's just like they're all fucking corrupt and they're awful and they're all like like you know gary oldman is as commissioner well like detective gordon and then lieutenant gordon and then now commissioner gordon is like the one you know good shining light but then in this movie it kind of transitions through like joseph gordon levitt is this like hero cop who becomes robin and there's like this weird like war scene at the end that like is obviously like him prepping for dunkirk where he's you know basically doing the cops versus the mercenaries like full-out war in the streets um it's it's kind of just interesting to see that positioning and I'm not really sure what a Batman movie like that would look like today. Cause I, I imagine the approach would be different. And if you look, I don't know, I think, I mean, even in this modern Batman, the way they kind of approach the the cops in that movie has been changed by just kind of modern perceptions a little bit. I agree with that. And I think if possibly they could have waited off to do the sequel, like if, if they would have given it 10 more years and it came out this year, I think it maybe would have been really good because you, you kind of get that that notion of he would want to come back and do something. But uh, I think they just made a sequel because they're like, it's going to make a shit ton of money. We need to capitalize on that now, which makes sense. But um, oh, I was going to say, uh, oh, and 
Yeah, and the thing about the cops in the Dark Knight that makes them so interesting is <laughs> they're all working for the mob. You don't know who is going to turn on you at any moment. It's kind of like The Departed, like, or, you know, similar movies as well, where it's like, we don't know who the good guys and bad guys are. That's interesting. In this movie, the cops are probably the least interesting part, but they have the dumbest plot points along with it. So it's kind of just a, a lose-lose, I think. Yeah, I mean, like Matthew Modine's character. So that, lame. So lame, so weird, so strange. Um, again, it's always these weird introductions of these cop characters. There's always a new one in every movie that serves just like basically plot purpose and they're always bad um cody this is a movie and who's the, who's the main superhero in this this movie can you mm. tell me well there's not a lot of heroes but i i, I would say maybe the batman mm, yeah i would say a it's batman. a batman movie now I, as i was watching this i tracked when batman scenes began and ended mm-hmm. this movie two hours and 45 minutes long basically with some change give or take i think it's his second longest movie behind interstellar i think that's his longest how much do you think the batman as a character not bruce wayne but like batman suited up how much do you think he's in this movie cody it's a good question i didn't even think about that i mean obviously his initial return him and catwoman have a little team up quickly and then the ending i mean he just comes out of the pit and he's back i'd guess like 15 minutes Okay, well, you you undershot it, so it always seems not as much. It's thirty two minutes, which, but like it's a really small amount. So they yeah, they go full long. Godzilla on us, and they don't show us the title character until forty six minutes into the movie. We finally get Batman suited back up. Forty six minutes, he's on screen for about ten minutes. This isn't even like full screen time. This is just length of scene beginning to end, from about forty six minutes to fifty six. He comes back at 110. This is when his back gets broken. He's on screen for six minutes, basically fighting Bane. And then he's gone. His back is broken. He does not reappear as Batman until the two hour and seven minute mark. And then there's a 16 minute approximately fight scene. And then he, you know, disappears, flies off and is gone. And that is, yeah. (laughs) He rose, at least he rose. So as a whole, you know, I think that was something Nolan intentionally did. He wanted to stretch the bounds of how much of a Batman movie you can make without, you know, using Batman and making this movie about Gotham City as a whole. Um, I think he stripped a lot of the soul out of Gotham from the earlier movies in comparison to this. So I think he kind of failed on that front, which is where it's unsuccessful. I think if you fill in the gaps with better characters, with a better heart and soul of Gotham, with a more developed Kyle, Talia, you know, uh, Bane, then maybe it's okay. But when you take away Batman and you give us just like half-assed other pieces, panels of your comic strip, it's, it just doesn't work. How much do you think Michael Caine was paid for this? <laughs> Probably a decent amount. I mean, um, the first two movies, he's kind of an integral part, I would say. But his screen time, it's got to be much less than Batman. I, I would say it probably is around that 15-minute that range. He's in it. Well, it might be more actually. He might be in like the first 15 minutes and then he doesn't show up until like the third act. But I don't know. It, he had to have gotten paid a shit ton though, I would think. Yeah, obviously I don't, I don't have the number, but I, I was just curious. Alfred is like easily the best character in the first movie. And the second movie is, you know, in the top three probably. And he's he's definitely carrying 
this movie it just sucks to kind of see what he has to do it, it makes sense right they set it up at the end of the dark night that he burns rachel's letter it's been eight years so obviously he's going to become bitter but the thing that i kind of hate is they almost retcon it a little bit where in batman begins alfred is like super excited to see bruce and he's like welcome back the city's needed you it needed you to save it and in this He's like, I wish you would never come back. I never wanted you back here. And I just feel like that's kind of like, that's not really true. That's not true to what Alfred wanted. Like he was happy to see him take on his father's legacy. He had been lying in wait for Bruce Wayne to return. He'd been taking care of that place. So I, I kind of hate that they did that to Alfred a little bit because I don't think that's true to who he was in the early movies. Um, but, you know, most of his character decisions do make sense here while it is sad to that he's missing from so much of it. Uh, the one thing that irks me about his character it seems like he kind of waited like eight years to try and give Bruce Wayne a pep talk about, you know, Rachel and, and, you know, the city needs you and stuff. Maybe just because Gotham has been low key without that much crime for eight years, but you would think at, at some point he'd be like, all right, dude, get off your ass. Like she died like three years ago. Like right. do something else with your life. I don't know. That's the other problem with the movie is like with the weird sense of time and pacing is like, everyone's like pushing him to be batman really early in this but there's like you don't you don't like really understand how far along bane's plan is until it's like almost too late but it seemed like the other characters like they all felt something was brewing but it's just not really it doesn't make sense it's like why now like you said why after eight years is this the time for him to it's all weird it just doesn't make like there's something missing the story's so rushed like no one's just trying to get us to the finish line and there's a lot of stuff he could include. Yeah. This is one of the, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's gotta be up there for one of the worst plots of all time, honestly. And um, it's tough to say because there are a lot of like good things about this movie, I think, but writing wise, I, I believe it was written by Christopher and Jonathan Nolan. And um, I'll tell you what, they must've cooked this one up in under like an hour because no, nothing makes sense. Nothing is explained. And uh, clearly they just didn't care to explain anything. So, and also they don't care about any of the characters from the past movies or any of the new ones. So it's kind of just throw everything on a page and, and see what sticks, I guess. But yeah, it's kind of, I, I don't, honestly, I really don't like any of the characters, which is tough. I feel like that sucks because it's a Batman movie and I should like all the characters, but yeah, sad. Let's hit the ugly. I actually kind of struggled with this one. There's not too much that would normally fit into the ugly. Obviously, like nuking a whole city <laughs> is is pretty ugly. It's pretty bad. Uh, again, this goes back to like the Bane plan not making a whole lot of sense. Like, why did he feel the need to wait the seven months to blow up the city if that was just like what he was going to like? He feeds them this like false revolution promise, hope of change, and then... I don't know. It's just like a weird empty idea. Like he's supposed to be this great like speaker and he's got, you know, even in that very beginning scene, one of his henchmen sacrifices his own life because he believes in Bane as this, you know, figure so much, you know, the fire is going to rise. They, they believes in this cause. He's got this, he's the new league of shadows. Right. But his plan doesn't really fucking make any sense. Like what he's, like, I get they want to punish Gotham. That's the whole thing that they always go back to, even though Gotham has been very good in the past couple of years, in the last eight years since Harvey Dent. But I don't know. He wants to punish Gotham. So he waits seven months and makes him suffer and then nukes him. Was this plan? I, I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah. 
I think you're right there. I mean, obviously, it all comes back to Razal Ghul. But why wouldn't you just, if that's what you really want to do, is nuke Gotham, which that seems like that is their plan, why wait five months for Batman to heal and then do it? Why not just do it like a week after? So, yeah, timeline wise, it doesn't make much sense. So, I do agree with you there. Um, I, I have a couple things for Ugly, and uh, I, I think they're kind of funny so uh, the first one i mean this has got to be the whitest chicago that i've ever seen um well cody that that <sighs> yeah i mean they didn't shoot this in chicago and we'll get into that in our next category but really? yes this it is really I mean, looks like chicago we'll, we'll talk about it but <laughs> I, I i do see your point the the cast is yes yeah well it's a known film so what else do we expect but we've touched on that before the other one I do want to talk about, kind of why why do you think he he painted the bat signal in gasoline on a <laughs> random building in Gotham? And also, my question is how? Yeah, that's a good one. And when he really just came back, <laughs> when did he have time to steal? This well, I think map? maybe the cops did it for him, but also like when did they do it? I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of questions, but I still feel like that's fairly ugly. Like. Somebody's gonna have to clean up all this gasoline off this building uh, at some point. So yeah, n- not cool, Bruce. Like, come on, dude. You're gonna make some some uh some guy who's getting paid like ten bucks an hour go scrape up all the gasoline just so you could have a cool moment. Uh, I don't know. Not not cool in my eyes. Obviously, in the comics, Bane as a character is supposed to be Latino. I think this version of Bane definitely just strays away from any type of, because there's like the whole wrestler origin type thing as well. This completely removes that and goes in a different direction, which I think is the right thing to do. If you're going to make it a white actor, like Tom Hardy, obviously if you did this today, you would probably cast a Latino person, which I think is the right decision, but you know, it's just something of notable, you know, it's definitely, you know, early two thousands, there weren't a lot of, you know, thought or consideration to those type of things. And obviously now we're at a point where people find that, you know, these characters' identities are important and they're important to the stories that are told. And I, I think that's good moving forward. But obviously, notably in this movie, it uh, does not happen. True. I mean, yeah, you say today maybe it'd be different. If it was a Nolan movie, I don't, I don't know how much different it would be. Nolan, true. Oppenheimer cast popping off. I mean, obviously a historical event, but I think I think he grabbed every white guy in Hollywood. Is Matthew Modine in that movie? He's got to be. Uh, I know Josh Peck is. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one that matters. At the end of this, we'll do it. We'll do an Oppenheimer cast <laughs> reading. Uh, can't wait for that. Maybe I'll just. Uh, maybe that'll be my trivia. Is this white guy in Oppenheimer true or false? <laughs> the answer is always yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to weird movie details trivia. Naked grandma. Naked, huh? So uh, my main three questions were going to be, you know, who plays Baby Bane. Who plays the stockbroker? Who plays the assistant? And you named them all. Joey King, Glenn Powell, Matthew Bodine. Good job. Um, so instead, we're going to bring the box office back, Cody, because you did so great last time we did this. This was um, my question. This is going to be... Oh, okay. Well, you ask yours first. And Okay. Well, I don't know. Well, you probably already have the numbers. I'm not looking. Up. I'm not looking. Okay. Well, anyways, I just wanted you to rank the four most recent Batman films on uh, which one made the most money. So obviously we have Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, and uh, Batman v Superman as well. We're throwing in that too. 
So out of those four, which one do you think made the most money? Batman v Superman is the only wild card for me. The Batman made about, I, I want to say like $840 million. Don't quote me. I'm sure you have the numbers in front of you. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises and The Dark Knight both made over a billion dollars. I know The Dark Knight Rises made more. Um, so I would go Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight, and then I don't think BVS, Dawn of Justice, topped the one billion mark. I think the Batman made, I'm going to say BVS is the lowest. So I'm going to say uh, Rises, Dark Knight, the Batman, and then BVS last. Okay, where do you think Batman Begins is in that too? Oh, Batman Begins? Yeah. Uh, $600 million, so below the lowest of them all. <laughs> I think you most guy. I don't even remember you said it, but yeah, The Dark Knight Rises did make the most, with like $1.1 billion, basically, which is pretty insane. And then The Dark Knight was right behind it, too. It just cracked the billion mark. The next highest... It was bad. I mixed them up, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, they're basically the same anyways. But the next highest is... Batman v Superman. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I missed these ones up. Batman v Superman and the Batman. Yeah, yeah. So Batman v Superman, according to the internet, made like $870 million. Yeah. And then this most recent Batman uh, made like $770 million, just under it. But uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, Batman v Superman, I mean, obviously you're throwing in Superman as well, so it should make more money. But like critically wise, I feel like that was mostly panned. And the newest, The Batman, uh, Rob Pat, I feel like that was pretty much critically beloved. So it, it's kind of the box office idea that, you know, in this movie included, it doesn't it, it really does not matter what what's in the theaters. If the, the, the film before it was good, it, it's going to make a ridiculous amount of money. So I just thought that was interesting. And Batman Begins made like 300 million. So like not even comparable, which is interesting, too. I will say um, the Batman not produced by Christopher Nolan while Batman versus Superman is. So, you know, that's, that's probably why I got that box <laughs> office bump. Um, but the Batman also came out 20 early this year, you know, we're still in kind of a COVID post COVID world. So, yeah. you know, box office recovering, but, but that is definitely interesting. My question for you, Cody, when you look at the list of the highest grossing superhero films of all time, 13, 14, 15 are all Batman properties with The Dark Knight Rises at 13, at Joker, Todd Phillips' Joker at 14, and The Dark Knight at 15. Name me, of the next 12, just name me six of them. Oh, um, higher? Higher than those? Higher than those, yeah. Okay, I could probably do that. You're just saying any of the top uh, 15? Top 12, top tw well, 12? top 12 now, highest grossing yeah. superhero movies. Yeah, so we have, I mean, uh, Avengers Endgame, Avengers that's, Infinity War. That's number one and two. Good work. Thank you, thank you. Avengers Age of Ultron, that's got to be up there. <laughs> number five. Um, What are there, some big comic book movies? I mean, I could just name all these Marvel ones, but I don't know if that would be right. Um, Black Panther, yeah, that's got to be up there. That's number six? Um. I'm trying to think of recent stuff because obviously that's gonna make more. The first Avengers is probably in there. Maybe not. <laughs> Looks like a no. I'm thinking, did anything DC make massive money? Is Wonder Woman in there? I feel like no. There is one DC movie and there's one uh 
animated film. The rest are all Marvel. Spider-Verse. There you go. Not Spider-Verse. Really? What? Animated movie. I'll come back to that. But, um, yeah, Spider-Man movies has got to be in there, too. Um, No Way Home. That's 100% in there. That's number three all time. Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3, probably. Sam Raimi. Neither? Nah, nah, dude. Too early. Early 2000s movies weren't making. Yeah, know, these these the movies problem. are all over a billy. You've done five. Just, you just want to hear the list. Or are you no, I kind of want to. I want to think a little bit more. <laughs> this is fun. Um, other Marvel movies. Come on, this is Guardians of the Galaxy. That's got to be on there. No. Guardians did not make over a billion dollars. What about Guardians Two? Guardians Two made eight hundred and sixty million. Yeah, it's still a lot. It's bad news for your fantasy team, Cody. That's all I can say. Cap- Captain America, Civil War. There's another one. There you go. That was number nine. Here's the, from one to 15, Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, Spider-Man No Way Home, The Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron. I said The Avengers and you said no. Black Panther. You said the first Avenger, like Captain yeah. America. Oh, the, no, first I the first Avengers. I said the first Avengers. Yeah, like no. Captain America, the first Avenger, the name of the movie. Black uh, Panther, Incredibles like 2, the animated movie. Mm, nice. Iron Man 3, Captain that. America Civil War, Aquaman, Spider-Man Far From Home. And oh, then, man. ready for this? Captain Marvel at 12. Really? Holy shit. I didn't realize that movie made that much. That is the power of the box office in 2019. I just want to say that this was, you know, in between Infinity War and Endgame. So everybody was tuned in. 2019 is the biggest year of the box office ever. Um, and you had two movies in the top 12 there with Far From Home and Captain Marvel, um, as well as Endgame. So three movies there in the top 12. I'll tell you what, those are, there's a lot of, there's some like not great movies in there. Captain Marvel, Far From Home, Iron Man 3. Ugh, pretty much the depths of Marvel there, but. Yeah, those, those do make sense. But uh, yeah, I definitely said the Avengers. So I got the top six, basically. Okay, good job. Incredibles 2 definitely threw me off, but that was good trivia. If I had said Pixar, you would have gotten it. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back with Welcome to the Academy. This, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Maybe one of the last Welcome to the Academies we do. So, uh, Cody, let's make it worth it. What do you want to give this movie? Yeah, I've got... uh, This may be my favorite Academy of all time. I've got three prestigious awards I'm looking to hand out. Uh, The first one, worst uh, superhero gadgets ever. The particular scene in this movie where uh, Batman is fighting Bane. You may recall it. It's kind of cool looking. You know, they're on this cool bridge. Bane's kind of throwing them around and shit. Then Batman, for some reason, decides to throw, you know, this particular gadget at him. It's like popping smoke or something. Theatricality and deception are powerful agents to the uninitiated. (laughs) Theatricality and deception. Powerful agents to the uninitiated. But we are initiated, aren't we, Bruce? It does. But we are initiated, aren't we, Bruce? (laughs) The League of Shadows. I don't know what that. <laughs> it kind of sounds like you're like a, a professor at Hogwarts or something. I don't know. <laughs> He's, Tom don't Hardy's know. British, dude. True, true. So you have something in there at least. But yeah, I mean, it's just a useless gadget. 
And I don't even know what, what he's trying. Like, wh- what is that going to do? It's just pop, pop, pop. And he's like, oh, what was that? I think Terrible it's like, I think it's like the Scarecrow agent stuff. It's like supposed to disorient you. But since he's a League of Shadows guy, it's not going to do anything. Sure. Good <laughs> Anyways, my second award. Um, I'm giving this movie a worst editing of all time. Uh, Amsterdam is a close second. But uh, there's a couple specific stuff here. I, I think that just the dialogue is clunky as well. And uh, the editing with it kind of is like exposition dumps, you know, slaps back to back to back together to start the film, which I don't like. And then also there's a really funny moment. I don't know if, if you've seen this or if you saw this. But um, when Batman and Catwoman in their first initial like team up fight on the roof, you know what I'm talking about? When they're fighting, um, one of the thugs just like falls down um and he's in he's in the shot like nobody punches him but he just falls down like he got hit or something so that stunt work i thought was really funny but i mean editing wise too like you gotta realize it's there and maybe use a different take or something or do a quick cut or, or just take him out entirely you know wash him out i don't know but uh that took it over the edge for me so i, I think it definitely deserves that award but uh yeah nolan is historically for sure not good at hand-to-hand combat i think that's one of the biggest uh like problems i have with this trilogy as a whole when you have a character like batman who relies pretty heavily on you know punching people with his fists nolan doesn't do great with shooting that it's really bad in batman begins it gets a little bit better in the dark knight um luckily the dark knight is a movie where the main characters are not it, you know, the Joker is not a physical antagonist. He's uh, more of a mental antagonist. Bane is a physical force. He is a lot better at shooting the action. He's figured things out. I think Inception helped him a little bit. He's just a better filmmaker. He's, you know, learned to bring people in, but it's still not shot great. Like you said, there's scenes where people are just falling over. Um, you also mentioned the, the editing being really just bad as a whole. You know, you attributed it or you uh, compared it to Amsterdam. It's a very similar thing. It's a lot of ADR, like I said, it's not just Bane. It's it's clearly like different takes spliced together. Particularly, there's a lot of scenes where it's voiceover and you don't see the person's mouth moving or you don't even see the back of their head. It's just like B-roll shots of Gotham, aka New York City, um, or people running around. And it's like different takes spliced together and you can hear the audio cuts. There's a Morgan Freeman line early in the movie that's very clearly cut together the mayor there's a wide shot of him like where he's talking up on the podium and it's definitely a different take than from what is coming out of his mouth and then it cuts to a close-up of a different take like it's just a lot of weirdly pieced together stuff that i'm surprised nolan would do but again i just feels like he was rushing trying to get this movie done trying to get to the finish line there's a lot of big action set pieces which he's very good at you know the truck flip in the second dark or in the dark night, the second movie, the plane flip in this movie, like he's good at that kind of stuff. The 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 football field blowing up, but you know when it comes to like dialogue and those character movements, he's really bad at that in this. Um, and hand to hand combat stuff is is awful as well. Yeah, I agree completely. And then um, I do have one more word as well, so I'll quickly shout out that. But uh, I think. Movie-wise, this has to be the fastest police response time um, of all time. And there's two particular scenes where, uh, I'll tell you what, the cops are on edge in the city because they are ready to go. Um, the first one is is that Catwoman scene 
it, it's kind of like her official character intro scene, I guess, where she's kidnapped the congressman and, you know, oh, you know, I just dialed off his phone. So the cops are on their way. And then, boom, there's 50 of them there in, in 30 seconds. So props them there. And then um, the second one, <laughs> when fucking Batman comes out of the shadows for the first time, that's Hans Zimmer Square I mentioned. But, dude, there's literally 100 in the street, which I talked about before, too. But uh, I think these cops, I don't know. Like, it's been years, so I figured they'd be lazy by now. But it, it's kind of insane how quickly they show up to, to like, the massive problems. Obviously, it's just, you know, to keep the story moving. I do appreciate that this isn't a three-hour film, and this definitely helps in that because, you know, cops are everywhere at all times. But, uh, yeah, shout-out to the Popo. You know, they're getting quicker in their uh, response times. I want to give this award, this movie, the award of best 21st century trilogy. What do you think, Cody? Do you, do you have any contenders that, that could beat it out? Um, I feel like Lord of the Rings would need to be mentioned. I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan, so. Yeah, that's fair. The first yeah, three I, Mission Impossible movies, first one's uh, in 96, so maybe you can't count it. Terrible. The thing about trilogies is usually one of them sucks which I think doesn't equate entirely to this trilogy, but this one is is definitely low point. I mean, hey, with Ant-Man coming out, that's got to be in contention. Uh, <laughs> but also, I feel like other than comic book movies, nothing else is really made of trilogies anymore. You could Maybe say like, like the Bourne trilogy, the John Wick. You could go Lord of the Rings. What about like the Sunset said. trilogy? That That's probably... It starts in argument. the 90s as well. Obviously, you have uh, Spider-Man close enough star wars the new trilogy is bad the <laughs> original one started in 99 blade starts in 98 you have the first three pirates movies blade? matrix trilogy starts in 99 I, I don't know i think this i'm not a lord of the rings fan so i would say this is the best 21st century trilogy cody what can yeah. captain america iron man are those competing with That's it true i i would probably say i like the captain america trilogy a little bit better but it's got to be top five, top three, I would think. X-Men Origins, The Wolverine, and Logan. That's another great trilogy. That's actually not a terrible trilogy, weirdly enough, with X-Men Origins. But Logan is, Logan's up there with The Dark Knight, I think, in a comic book movie-wise. But The Wolverine is worse than Batman Begins and yeah. Dark Knight Rises. And, and X-Men, X-Men Origins is definitely worse than both terrible. these movies. <laughs> I, I, it's I, my I, pick I, I don't know maybe you take captain america that's yeah. fine i i think that's uh i back that pick though like these are three good movies i think one especially is an all-timer but yeah this one's okay and i think especially as a cohesive story i, I talked about this as better as a third you know a final piece in the story as opposed to a standalone movie when you take it in context it's definitely a lot better so i think as a whole i like the trilogy I also want to give this movie the worst Gotham award. And this is what I was alluding to earlier. This is not the, they shot this movie like entirely in New York. And as a person who spends some time in New York now, like I can recognize these places. Like they literally use the New York city stock exchange. Like they shot in front of it. It's wall street. They're inside the stock exchange. It's literally all the bridges on Manhattan. You can see the fucking world trade center and shots in the empire state building. It's so dumb because the first two movies are shot pretty much in Chicago. I think there's some, you know, pickup locations in like other places, New York, London, but 
it's like shot in Chicago. The lower Wacker Drive stuff is where that, you know, the Joker truck flip scene happens. The, the L train inspires all of the, you know, stuff in Batman Begins where they're trying to get the, you know, microwave emitter on the trains. Obviously, it's like a cool, like fantastical version of the L train. And it's like way more um, beaten down and graffitied and gross and grimy and Gotham-y. And there's a lot more water and different islands to break it up. So like he creates a hyper hyper realized version of chicago into gotham where this is literally he just took new york and he put the words like gotham city under it and it's literally manhattan like i i don't know there's a bay that he has to fly out like i don't know it's so bad um the only thing that isn't really new york is when they go to the steelers game like you said and that's in pittsburgh which again that's almost kind of a new yorky it's similar to gotham where like you know the new york giants and the new york jets they don't even play in new york city they just play in new jersey so maybe uh in gotham they just fucking go all the way to pittsburgh to play their football games but they slap the the gotham logo on it i don't know yeah that is funny and kind of that that ties in with your whole trilogy thing too like the city is completely different, I feel like, in this movie compared to the others. So that, like, continuance, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't really match up to, to, like, finish that story of what you're saying. But, yeah. Yeah, and then all this, like, I think it's just because of, like, Nolan just didn't care. Like, he's like, I have the set pieces really? that I want. I want a big, yeah. like, New York-type stock exchange. I want the sewers and the subways like they have in New York City. It It's just... I don't know. It's shocking, especially when you watch them in succession. It's it's not good at all. Oh. Um, let's move on to invite fight night. I dump thee. So William. Uh, who do you want to invite in the pod, Cody? Yeah, this was a tough one. I think for me, it's a bit of a toss up between two characters. Uh, the first one is going to be Scarecrow, uh, Cillian Murphy. I mean, I kind of just want to know what, what he's been up to. Um, it's been eight years. Presumably, he's been in prison, but that's not really confirmed. So I, I just want to know like what he's been doing, since that is a pretty interesting character, I think. Um, and then all of those court stories, I, I think, would be fun to go over too. I'm sure he sent a lot of you know high rise wigs, uh, you know, to exile or whatever. But uh, that'd be fun. He'd be a fun character to have. And then the other one who I would want to invite. Uh, it would be Bane. I mean, uh, just to get a little bit of his backstory, you know, who he is, where he's from, what his actual name is, just any, you know, general information about him. Nice. Uh, but also just that voice, I, I think on a podcast would be riveting stuff. And uh, I, I would be pretty jacked to have, you know, Bane on here just spouting off, you know, quirky dialogue through that that crazy talk of a box. Well, funny enough, I was also going to say Bane, but he's, you know, he's kind of been here with us today, don't you think, Cody? You know, <laughs> the powerful will be ripped from their decadent nests and cast out into the cold world. That's that's really bad. That was a really bad one. I lost it. take your city back. <laughs> See, I don't, you went like Scottish. <laughs> we come here not as li- <laughs> it's a hard accent like it's not really an accent it's just like so you came back to die with your city so you came back to die with your city (laughs) it's like a slide whistle almost i I really don't know how to explain it batman i have to kill you now (laughs) time to go mobile 
Uh, I want to invite Bane on the pot, obviously, but I also want to get Alfred on because, like I said, mm-hmm. he's my favorite character throughout the trilogy. Michael Caine as a person is also just a G. He's, you know, been in the most Nolan movies, but I think he's awesome. Give me Alfred Pennyworth. He's what has he been doing? He's obviously he's been spending his time. You know, he's traveled the world. He's taking care of Wayne Manor. He's, he's a very interesting guy. He's if you go back to the Dark Knight, he was seeing people in the jungle of Burma watching the world burn. I mean, this guy's got stories for days. Um, so we, one, need to get to the bottom of Bane's motivations by having him on the pod. And two, we need to get Alfred on here um, just to kind of, you know, get to know him as a person. And three, I think we just need to invite the entire cast of Oppen- Oppenheimer. So here's who that would be. Florence Pooh, Cillian Murphy, Emily Bunt, Matt Damon, Gary Oldman, Robert Downey Jr., Gustav Skarsgård, Josh Hartnett, Kenneth Branagh, Jack Quaid, Rami Malek, Josh Peck, Alden Ehrenreich, Casey Affleck, Tony Goldwyn, Alex Wolf, David Crumholtz, Dane DeHaan, Matthew Modine, Elizabeth Thurlby, David DeKalsmian, who's in The Dark Knight, James Darcy, Michael Angonaro, Scott Grimes, James Remar, Jason Clark. Um, We're getting to the people. I I, I don't know. Benny Safdie. Yeah. Jason Clark. Yeah, quite the quite the cast. Um, but I, I would like to invite all of them on the podcast. I agree. Other than Josh Beck. <laughs> That's fair. Um, fight. Who do you want to fight, Cody? <laughs> yeah. I have a gripe with one specific person in this movie. And um, it, it's Bruce Wayne in the beginning of the movie. I mean, this lazy ass, uh, you know, former former man, I'm going to call him. And the thing is, as well, in this category, usually we we attempt to fight characters who we would likely lose to. But um, I think I could take... <laughs> would you pull the, the Catwoman move and just go for the cane? I think that's a good one. Just take out his cane. If he's still standing somehow, just go, go for the kneecaps. Uh, that'll probably do the work. But I mean, yeah, he literally didn't do anything for eight years to the point where his body just stopped working. And... Uh, I mean, how old, how old is he? How old is the character? So it was like 35, 40? I think he's supposed to be like Bale's age in The Dark Knight. So like 31. And it's, I think he's supposed to be like 39 in this. It's been like eight years. Okay. So he's like 40. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know many people whose bodies break down at 40. Well, um, he broke I- his leg eight years ago and just never got it fixed, I guess. He never <laughs> went to a doctor. Obviously, he's been through some wear and tear being Batman for like, probably about 10 years give or take somewhere in there but i mean to give it up to that point where i mean literally for eight years he must have just been you know in his bed just every single day i don't know i feel like he, he needs a good whooping and alfred should have put one on him a long time ago so I, I might as well do it for him i was gonna go for alfred i i get why he leaves bruce but man he's stuck by his side for so long and what did he want? Like, what did he, Bane is literally going to nuke the city if it wasn't for Batman trying to stand up. Like, what does Alfred want? He just wants him to leave and say, fuck Gotham, six miles, a radius of people are about to get blown to all hell, which is the entirety of the island of Manhattan. If you were to, you know, match this up to where it was filmed, uh, literally everyone would be dead, you know, millions of millions of people. I, I just don't really get what Alfred's, you know, going on about. We get it. You burned Rachel's letter. Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I don't know. It is kind of a a tough move to just leave him when, like, he he pretty much says as well, like, oh, you're probably going to die. Like, this Bane guy's no joke. He says it like three times, oh, 
this guy's a fighter. Like you're going to lose to him. And well, then, he's like, get out of, get, quit being a recluse, quit hiding inside. And then the second he goes back to being Batman, he's like, fuck you. Why, why'd you leave the house? <laughs> yeah, true. Catch 22 with uh, Alfred there, but I agree. How, how do you feel about hit, hitting an old man or and any qualms about oh, that? Oh, Michael, Michael Caine would probably kick my ass. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> that guy's been through some shit. True. And in, uh, in Batman Begins, he took some dudes out, actually. He took some goons out. So, yeah. It's true. Like Grab a crowbar. Uh, knight. I'm going to knight John Blake. Um, we've obviously discussed the Robin situation, but as a whole, he's a really cool character. You know, obviously orphaned. He figures out who Bruce Wayne is or who Batman is that he's Bruce Wayne. Um, he's kind of, he's the main focus of, of people in Gotham City, you know, at least next to Gary Oldman and, and Commissioner Gordon. But um, yeah, I, I like him as a character. I will say, I don't think anybody has ever once asked for the uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt Batman or the Robin spinoff movie, um, which probably tells you enough that, about what you need to know about this. But sure. uh, I, I do like him as a character. Yeah, honestly, I, I would watch that movie. That wouldn't be like the worst thing I think ever. So I agree. Good character. My night, I just want a night. Um, Whoever did the costume design for Bane, because I, th- I think it's really cool. Uh, the mask, I mean, that's iconic pretty much a, in pop culture today. For such a forgettable villain, too, I, I think that says something. And I mentioned it before, the big-ass jacket. It, it's a sick jacket. And um, also, I something that <laughs> I forgot to mention earlier with Bane, too. He's always standing. You know how, like, uh, football players in high school stand, like, for their senior picks and stuff? Where they're like having their pads. <laughs> he's got the vest, dude. He's got the like. Well, he's doing like the cop stand. They do that too. Yeah, yeah so true. But he's always standing like that, which I think is really funny. So yeah, shout out the costume designer. I think they deserve to be knighted. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's a good pick. Let's move over to the recast. Bond. James Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. Uh, Cody, uh, you got some hot feelings about this? I do. And um, obviously, I would want to get rid of Catwoman. I think every movie that we've done on Anne Hathaway, I've replaced her. Uh, my thing for this is, we already have a good Catwoman in Zoe Kravitz. So I'm not going to try and figure out you know, anybody else. I don't care if it's 2012, I mean, Zoe Kravitz at that time, too. But uh, my more interesting ones, I do want to get rid of Matthew Modine. His character is probably one of the least likable, and uh, I don't think he's very good in this movie. So what I'm going to do is just swap roles. So I'm going to switch him and Aiden Gillen's roles in this movie. Aiden Gillen, of course, Littlefinger in the opening scene. I mentioned I was a big fan of. I want him in this movie more, and Matthew Modine has like probably, like I don't know, the fifth, the sixth most lines in this movie for being a nothing character. So, uh, Give Aiden Gillen an actual chance because this guy's it. He's in no movies. I was going through his IMDb as well, and uh, he hasn't done much. This is one of the top billing thing he has. Those who wish me dead, just uh, HBO Max released in 2021. Angelina Jolie joint. Okay, I haven't seen that to be fair. I doubt he has a massive role, but I could be wrong. But this guy deserves more roles, man. He's so good in Game of Thrones. He was my favorite actor in that entire series, and there's so many great people in that. 
So yeah, I just want to see Littlefinger get more roles, basically. But th- that was my first big one. I do have another one, but I'll throw it over to you. Well, my general theme is I wanted to take to do the Nolan thing. There's not enough of his people in this. So um, I grabbed a couple of my favorite names from some prior Nolan works, particularly. I, I feel like there's a lot of them, though. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> a lot. But Tom Hardy, Cotillard, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, just for, for this one. So True, know. and he starts his Anne Hathaway thing here. But, you know, really before this, all you have is the three Batman movies. You've got, like, Falling and Insomnia, which no one cares about. And obviously memento and the prestige which are the two that i'm going to pull from here so first of all from the prestige andy circus he's going to be in this movie and who's he going to play uh, cody bane, bane. <laughs> you're damn right andy circus would play a good bane and uh not a mocap bane okay. like a real bane i want jack to andy circus <laughs> he can do it he can put in the work marion cotillard decent in inception not good in this movie like you said earlier I'm going to replace her with Rebecca Hall from The Prestige, a much better actress. I think her relationship with Christian Bale would be played better. Uh, They've had one in prior works together. So let's see him have some on-screen chemistry once again. Um, Guy Pierce from Memento. Let's get this guy back in a Nolan movie. He's going to play Daggett, which is the kind of mob bossy criminal guy slash also on the Wayne board weird yeah i don't even really know where he comes from but he's in the dark knight as well it's ben mendelson right yeah ben mendelson he's gonna take over ben mendelson's role um and then uh joey pants the the character actor of all character actors pantaloni or pantalini or whatever the fuck his name is from uh memento as well he's gonna play uh john blake's partner because he's just always playing weird skeevy cops so we're gonna throw him in there and then here's a hot take for you Young Leo, if we go young Leo, he would make a good John Blake, obviously. But that's kind of an obvious poll. I like that a lot. I mean, throw young Leo in any project, and uh, I'm going to say yes. But yeah, I-, I like all of those, so good work there. My uh, my last recast, I, I did want to get rid of Bane, too. I-, I do think Tom Hardy's like, he's good, like I said, we've talked about. But, um, I mean, there's really only one man for this role, and we all know who it is. Corbin, do you want to inform the people who should be playing Bane? <laughs> Dave Batista, a star Dave of Knock Ridley. at the Cabin. Batista. You know, he's finally getting more starring roles, which I'd love to see. And this would have been a breakout for him. I think, honestly, out of all of the movies I've picked for Dave Batista to be recast in, this one legitimately makes sense. I mean, it's a bald guy who, you know, his face is covered, so he doesn't need to be a good actor. He has no plot details that are important. He's literally just fighting Batman, and he looks cool. If that's not Dave Bautista, I don't know what it is. So I think he would have been good. Yeah, I mean, Dave Bautista is definitely more, like, I could easily see him as a more comic-accurate Bane. Um, That dude's never playing a comic book role again. That's my prediction. Unless maybe, you know, 20 years down the road, who knows what this fucking society looks like, but um, maybe he'll come back then. But I, I think he's pretty anti-superhero sure. films at this point. I bet, Um, well, I think he's done in the in the MCU. I, I bet he gets killed off in Guardians 3, but uh, I could see him going to DC. I mean, obviously him and James Gunn are, are pretty good buddies. And uh, if they give him an interesting role there, I think he could go for it. Yeah, I I think maybe give him a break, which it definitely seems like DC's got like you know a couple of years to kind of get things settled. They apparently have a Superman movie coming out in twenty twenty five, 
which maybe we'll talk about at the end of the episode. But uh, let's let's hit our rating here. Uh, I'm going to go for a 45 out of 69. This is a three-star movie for me. Um, I actually do think this movie is better than Batman Begins. I'm not even as huge of a fan of that, just as like a story as a whole. Um, But yeah, this movie kind of still holds a special place in my heart, even though it's hard to find a lot of like specific, like really good things. And there's a lot of problems. I think as a whole, I just kind of like it as a piece. Fair enough. Um, I'd say Batman Begins is the far far superior film not just me but um my rating i think initially i I did have it at 45 but i'm gonna give it a 43 out of 69 so bump it down a little bit trying to be different well (laughs) no no i i think um right after i watched the film i wrote down 45 and then i think the day when i was going over myself i was like "Eh, that's not that good so we're gonna go 43 (laughs) But um, yeah, this movie it really just doesn't work for me on on too many levels. Uh, the action's good sometimes. There's a lot of visual stuff. Obviously, it's Nolan, so it's not like you know a terrible terrible film. There's a lot of good stuff. Hans Zimmer carries. Christian Bale, I still do like as Batman. Morgan Freeman's good. Michael you never King. explained your Spider-Man three take. So how's this movie like Spider-Man three? Well, yeah, I mean, Spider-Man three is is known for you know having too many villains, having three villains. And you think that's not the case this entire movie. And then, oh, it's Talia al Ghul who's pulling all the strings. So there's your, there's your venom there. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just feels like Spider-Man 3 to me because Spider-Man 2 was so unbelievably good. And The Dark Knight is probably the best comic book movie of all time. And then there's so much hype for the, you know, the, the finished trilogy. How's it going to end? And it's just overcrowded. And um just bad in the end so i would say spider-man 3 is, is a worse film than this obviously uh there's no emo peter parker you know kind of what the hell are you doing moment in the dark knight rises but yeah it, it's kind of just that idea for me of a really disappointing end to a trilogy yeah i i respect all that i i think this movie is definitely more successful than spider-man 3 and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just as you know action set piece movie making wise I, th- I think is a little bit better but you know that that, that plays more campy than this this is too self-serious yeah. hard to compare the two for sure let's move on to uh we have a pod algorithm so season fours yeah we might be retiring this category might be opting in for a different one so we'll see the purge is the movie cody have you ever seen the purge I don't I think have you have. Oh, I've you have. Yeah. Talk to us. Yeah, so I, I've only seen the first one. I believe they've made like four or five of these suckers. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of like a B horror movie for me. I don't think it takes itself extremely seriously, but the concept is it, it's pretty interesting. I think like, oh, what if there was an actual time where, you know, crime was legal? What would happen? And I think it it does give somewhat of an you know, an honest depiction of what would obviously a lot of crime and a lot of murder. Um, I don't remember too much about the characters or anything, but my experience, I think it's a decent film and it's not the best thing that Hollywood is going to produce these days, but it's not the worst either. Yeah. I mean, it's another, the purge is an example of another like horror franchise, right? Like it's an original idea. The first movie came out in 2013. It's got Ethan Hawke, a staple, especially in that time period of, of horror movies. He's, he loved to start a good franchise, uh, akin sinister. Um, but it's 
a cool concept. It's a fun idea. You know, what would happen if, you know, at one night of year crime was legal, there's a lot of different directions you go with it. I think it would be fun to do like write a purge movie. Um, and actually I think the one that came out last year, the forever purge was a pretty decent movie. Um, it had, uh, the man from black Panther Wakanda forever to know Puerta, um, in it, which is, is kind of cool. If you want to check out another one of his movies, um, Namor himself is in the forever purge but yeah kind of a southern slash it's like texas slash mexico kind of border purge which is is cool nice i know you do that all right and uh recommendations i drink your milkshake i drink it up well let's talk uh let's talk dc today obviously this whole episode was about the dark knight rises but today james gunn kind of laid out what he was going to do with uh the dcu dc uni- cinematic universe or i don't even know dcu is that what they're calling it now um, i'm not sure because it was specified as there are some movies that are clearly not in this new universe but i don't know if they gave a name for their actual new u- universe so dceu was always kind of a dumb name because like what is the problem is that C is in DC, so like they can't do cinematic. They can't do the DCCU. They're kind of in a weird spot. They could do that. The D DC squared U. That's good. <laughs> Put me on the marketing team. But uh, yeah, I I think James Gunn had a lot of interesting stuff to say. He kind of mapped out. I mean, it was almost like the next ten years of movies, which I'm surprised they were even going that deep and in, in informing the public on what they were looking to do. But yeah, you mentioned earlier, basically they're just doing a, they're starting off, it seems, with the Superman reboot around 2025 and, and trying to build off there. Um, most of what are you saying makes sense. I mean, they need to reboot pretty much all of these characters uh, if they do want to do one massive universe. But as well, like they are doing kind of what they have been doing. They're doing a Joker sequel. They are doing a Batman sequel, it seems. Elseworld is is what they're referred to. Is DC Elseworld yeah. different things? I don't know. Elseworld. Yeah, that, that's what he said. So I think that's interesting. But be, what it seems to me is they're kind of taking a lot of chances and really kind of just going out of the box on a lot of their their properties and stuff. I mean, the only outside group- of Superman starting, they're going very James Gunny. Yeah. non-traditional stories not the big obviously they're doing a lanterns tv show early and they're continuing cool. to build upon viola davis's waller but they're going for some weird kind of interesting stories early on yeah movie wise they're kind of not sticking to the the main core of justice league i feel like like after that 2025 superman release they're kind of going into some weird team-ups and some weird out there kind of themes which i enjoy but yeah, the the uh, the Green Lantern series TV show with uh, John Stewart and um, Hal Jordan kind of as a buddy cop sort of a you know mystery drama. That sounds like Viola Davis coming back to do an HBO series. That sounds dope for for Amanda Waller. So the recent stuff I like, and then the the farther along you get, it's kind of like oh we're doing a a Dark Swamp Man movie, we're doing a a Supergirl movie where she's growing up on Krypton by herself, kind of like the darker i mean the the farther along we got it seems the darker it got but yeah i mean everything he's talking about january like generally interested me so it's a better direction than what they were on i think at least with, with Zack snyder's first none of the movies were terribly exciting to me other than yeah. maybe like the swamp thing and super gold does sound interesting 
but a lot of them were just characters I need to learn about, kind of need to do some investigating about. But the TV stuff is interesting to me because he kind of phrased it as like, hey, this is Warner Brothers. This is HBO. We know how to produce weekly prestige television. We've been doing it for 25 plus years going back to the Sopranos and now you know with stuff like the White Lotus and Euphoria and The Last of Us they've been able to maintain this weekly appointment television of like high quality stuff and and with stuff like The Last of Us it's high quality CGI stuff and stuff like Peacemaker it's it's high quality you know superhero nerdy type content I'm excited to see you know that happen with stuff like the Green Lantern characters Amanda Waller as a character um, it's also cool to see the animation stuff kind of getting a full like 360 degree integration of like, hey, we're going to try and keep the same actors to be voice roles in these um, anim animated films, which is something that DC is known for having a really strong DC animated department and creating a lot of high quality work. So if James Gunn can kind of continue to push that forward and create a cohesive universe, I think that's really cool. Um, and that's really exciting. It gets into the thing of like, you know, Marvel announces, you know, Secret Wars or whatever in 2027. And then I think, you know, I'm going to be 27 years old. It, you know, it seems so far away. Am I going to still care about, you know, what fucking Supergirl movie they're making then? Maybe not. Maybe it'd be cool if I did, but it, it feels so far away, all this stuff. Um, a couple other notes I wanted to share. Uh, they did say the Batgirl movie would have been like detrimental to the DC brand had they released it, which I think is interesting that they actually, they said the CEO, David Zaslav made a bold and courageous decision in canceling it for the betterment of the company, which is uh, kind of surprising to say that. What else? Uh, Henry Cavill God. was never cast as Superman. Yeah, that's true. They want to cast their own Superman. They want to do that. The others, Gal Gadot, you know, uh, Ezra Miller, Zachary Levi potentially have chances to return the doors Momoa. open at least yeah. Momoa they're they're doing a the flash is apparently the greatest superhero film ever and it's going to reboot the universe I don't know there's a lot I'm, of things I'm like I don't know why but I may be the only person in America who's still excited for this flash movie because it's on your fucking fantasy team well I mean I, I was excited that's why I picked it on my fantasy team because I'm excited for it's it. gonna be awful yeah, probably, but Michael Keaton's in it. Uh, you know, Ben Affleck's in it. Probably for the last time, he's Batman, so it'll be cool. And it seems like with him saying it's a reboot of the universe, they're doing Flashpoint. Like, I mean, that's obvious, I feel like. But it's going to be bringing in, like, all these new characters. Supposedly, even though this movie was made, like, I don't know, three years ago at this point, probably. That's the confusing like, thing is like when this movie was made to with how it fits into the current ideology, are they recutting stuff? Are they changing? Like, I don't know. But the cool thing is about Flashpoint, like in, in the animated movie and the comics is like, you can throw in all these fun cameos because it's a completely different world and all these characters will be doing crazy things. Like in the uh, animated film, it's like, oh, Wonder Woman and, and Aquaman are having kids and they're going to war against the humans. So you can kind of play with, people's motivations and stuff but yeah i don't know what the hell it's gonna be but michael keaton's in it so I i'm gonna go see it opening day uh what other wrecks what have you been into cody yeah i haven't had a ton um just a couple so i have been re-watching the office which i haven't done for a while uh hint hint but uh i've been working my way through that and then as well i did check out one of your favorite films of the year uh tar i uh finally checked it out on peacock 
And uh, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. It's it's very, very thought-provoking, I think. And the farther, it's definitely not what I expected, if I'm being completely honest. Um, it's kind of just like, it asks a lot of deeper questions about, you know, kind of public figures who, you know, have been outed as doing something wrong. And, you know, this is a very interesting kind of retrospective on that. And it really makes you question kind of, the media as a whole, you know, even in this story, like who's in the wrong, who's a good person, who's a bad person, it leaves a lot of stuff like open to interpretation, which I really, really like. Um, the obvious thing about it is Kate Blanchett it, it is unbelievable. She, I, I think literally she's in every single scene in the movie and um, she never lets up. I, I think she gets better as the movie goes along too, which is crazy because the first scene is is literally just an interview of her talking for 15 minutes. Um but yeah, I still do back my Oscar pick. I do think that she will just barely edge out Michelle Yeoh. Honestly, um, I don't think it's a thing in the Oscars, but I wish it was this year to, to give like a dual award, to give them both the Oscar, make an exception. But um, yeah, she's ridiculously good. The rest of the cast is good as well. Um, kind of just like a lot of smaller name people though. And I, I think in this movie, it works really well. I'm glad that you appreciate the movie as much as I am. I think it's one that just kind of begs to be talked about for sure. Um, I, I like that you talk, you you mentioned that there's just so much there. There's a lot of ideas. I think it doesn't hold your hand at all. It you know shows you. It doesn't tell you everything. There's a lot of subtext that you kind of have to understand. There's a ton of reading and like beyond the gates stuff that you can go into and there's so many layers and so much thought that Todd Field put into the character there's like stuff he said in interviews that he just thought of and built for the character and cold Kate Blanchett but maybe it's not fully expressed on screen and yet she still kind of does express it just with who she is what do you think about her uh, yelling at her you know talking to that child in German uh, at the school Cody is that scary for you I thought that was a fun scene honestly <laughs> You know, parenting wise, I feel like that's actually pretty good parenting. But um, yeah, I mean, her her talking in German the entire movie also just builds on on that performance and and uh, the amazingness of it. And also Todd Field, I mean, this guy hasn't done shit for about fifteen years, and then he comes and makes this masterpiece. So, I mean, I kind of want to see more from him. But yeah, the script wise, I mean, I think this movie is pretty immaculate and um, storytelling, just like cinema. Excuse me cinematography too I, I think it's just one of the more beautiful films i've seen this year so uh, i think it's definitely in, in my top 10 maybe fishing in that top five for you i, I think it was like in your top two top one but um i'm probably not as high on it as you but i did i did like really really enjoy it yeah i mean it's it's my second favorite movie of the year i think it's fantastic i like you said i hope clay bain shut what was one? everything everywhere all at once so like i oh, can't, right. can't be mad two great yeah, no, acting performances in both those movies but yeah todd field also is uh plays a role in eyes wide oh. shut so there's a fun fact for you the stanley kubrick tom cruise nicole kidman joint i do know what movie that is i don't know <laughs> that's what he's been doing for the past 15 years no that was that was 99 so <laughs> fair enough shut up Addy. Anything else you want to recommend to the people, Cody? I believe that's it. Yeah, no, I've been I've been in too much. Uh, I I've been watching The Last of Us. Mina and I just watched the third episode last night. It is very good. I'm sure anybody listening to this has heard about how great the show has been. Particularly this third episode, people have been you know saying is one of the greatest episodes of television of all time. Um, it is very good. It 
stars uh, Nick Offerman of Parks and Rec fame. And it's kind of this almost like one-off bottle episode story within the universe. And uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend checking out The Last of Us as, as well as that third episode because it is, it is very good TV. Um, and then also this weekend, I uh, speaking of Anne Hathaway, watched The Devil Wears Prada at a movie theater. And uh, that, that's just a fun romp, Meryl Streep in one of her uh, better performances, I think. And uh, Anne Hathaway's pretty good as well, Stanley Tucci. Um, just a fun movie. The, the relationship stuff in it is not very successful, but otherwise, it, it is a good film. Yeah, Meryl Streep classic. All right, well, this has been uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Don't forget to check out uh, the World Wide Web when we post that. And uh, follow us at Cat Podcast uh, everywhere. And uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Stay Captain. Peace. Peace. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.